Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. In our last episode, we were speaking with Don Kruger, a fellow classmate from my old alma mater, Linden High School. We started out talking about student dress codes back in the old days, but then went off on some other interesting tangents relating to high school life in the late 1960s and 70s. So for today's episode, part two of Dress Codes and More, we'll conclude our conversation with Don, touching on topics like censorship, diversity in the makeup of a school population, the impact of COVID, and the time when narc agents went undercover at Linden High School. So tell me, Don, how did you first find out about the narc agents visiting our high school? One day I came home, I guess this was my freshman or no, my sophomore or junior year, and we had this guy for dinner. I didn't know who he was. I thought I said, Oh, this is Joe Smith. He's having huh. dinner with us. He's gonna be in school tomorrow. I said, Are you a student? Because he looked young. He said, No. He said, I'll tell you, but I don't want you to spread the word. I'm a narcotics agent and working for the state and we know that there are drug deals going down in your school and we're doing some investigations into that. So I'm going to see what I can do to find out who's dealing drugs. I said, whoa, never knew that. Yeah. And I saw them in the halls. I didn't say a word to anybody about that. To this day, I never said it. Until now, I never said anything about that. <laughs> I figure after 52 years, there I can say something. Yeah. Once things like this, the changes in the dress code happened, uh, did you feel that there's any impact in our classes or in the day-to-day life at school? Did students experience any kind of liberation? Or I, I, think there was, I think there was that sense of liberation. Or it just could have been the times, and this was just one of the products of liberation. It's hard to say what, whether there was a cause and effect and which caused which. Did the liberation cause a dress code or did the dress code cause a liberation? It's hard to say which happened. It's a chicken and an egg kind of a thing. But certainly there was an outbreak of creativity in the school. I remember we set up an underground magazine. <laughs> it was called Degustibus. And a bunch, yeah. bunch of us, this is my junior year, my senior year. I don't know if I went into the senior year. And we would meet at different places and write different articles and print it up and you know, mimeograph it in those days mm-hmm. and hand it out in the schools and the classrooms. And there was nothing subversive about it. But it was independent of the school. You know, the school had its own Mac, its own newsletter, newspaper. This, this was independent of that. The school didn't have like a magazine. It just had the newspaper and it had the yearbook. Um, so this was something that filled in. But I don't know if that had a lot of longevity. And that was also, I think, the time we created the Linden Historical Society. And we had some of the meetings about with the Linden Historical Society, which was kind of fun. And I think that still exists to this day. It might be outside of the high school, but I know, pretty sure there's still a Linden Historical Society around. Uh-huh. And we explored things about the town. So there was a lot of stuff, new stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a lot of fun. And to be honest, there were drugs in the school. I don't know if there were any hard drugs. I don't know if anybody was doing any heroin. But people were smoking pot at the time. Um, it was not considered a big deal then, just as it's not considered a big deal now. Of course, it was probably one one-hundredth the potency of the stuff that you can buy today. Um, but it was out there. Generally, it was just a great experience being at that high school at that time with some of the challenges that we had made life very interesting. 
and prepared us for living in the real world. Really did prepare us for living in the real world, that diverse world um, that many people living in the suburbs never had an opportunity to experience. Mm -hmm. I'm on the Board of Education here in our town, and the high school has an LGBTQ club. Everything's perfectly open right now. Uh Um, No issues as far as I know. So in that respect, the world is a different place. While my son was in high school, my older was in high school, he was the editor of a school newspaper, and he got into a tiff at school over what could be published in the newspaper. The principal insisted on seeing everything and was no. being published and could censor it, which I guess was the same way we, we were in high school. But my son said, no, you can't do that when the principal tried to squash an article. And my son got in touch with the ACLU. Ooh. And the ACLU contacted the principal and said, you can't do that. And if you insist on doing that, we're going to start a lawsuit. Oh, so the school backed down. Uh-huh. So that, that was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, so my kids were in the 90s in the schools. And then my youngest one was in high school in France. And they had n- none of these kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. They just studied. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like going back to the 50s, I think, at least in the high school that she was at. The kids were smoking and there were the cliques, but uh-huh. To my knowledge, there were no drugs. There were no, it's not a racially diverse school. Um, they were not politically aware to any significant extent. It was very different. It's interesting. Right now, I'm teaching freshmen at a college in New York City, and I have about 280 students. It's a large class. And I ask them periodically each year, each semester, where do you get your information from? Mm. None of them read newspapers. None of them read magazines. These days, it's TikTok. Uh-huh. Which is interesting. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're as aware as we were mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm. As a as a college professor, um, you, you're somewhat aware of the experiences that they're having, like with social media and so forth. Yeah. Um, how would you compare the experiences that we had in high school with their, say, a more mature level of learning? How does that compare between what we grew up with in high school and what they're experiencing now in, in uh, college? Well, as soon as I'm having this semester, we're children of COVID. So they did the last two years of high school yeah. primarily online. Or if they were doing college, we would be doing it online up until actually this semester. It's the first mm-hmm. time that everybody is back. And so for them, they're having a hard transition right now. Mm. I, I was looking at the grading, for example. I gave a quiz similar to the other quiz I give at this particular junction. And their average grade was 72, whereas most of the previous semesters would be like an 80 or an 82 or an 84. Mm-hmm. So grade-wise, I can see they don't ask questions in the classroom, which is interesting to me. That's a big difference from pre-COVID or even during COVID, they were asking questions. Right now, it's just mm-hmm. crickets. So I, I think at least for this semester, the first semester back, they're in a bit of shock right now. And the student organizations haven't really opened completely yet, so they're not really that engaged with what's going on at campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a different issue as well. But I'm pretty surprised by the lack of knowledge that they have about what's going on in the world. Mm. You know, these I'm teaching business right now, so these are all business students. Not one of them has a clue what's going on with interest rates mm-hmm. or with the stock market. And these are all business students. You would think business students would be paying some attention, at least peripherally, to some of that. But they're not. Yeah. Whereas in our day, we just knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I read Newsweek every single week mm-hmm. and we got the New York Times in school. We could subscribe to the New York Times and it would be delivered to our desks at school. Mm-hmm. And we talked about current events all the time. Today, the kids don't do that. And I think we had 
by osmosis civics in our classroom. You know, we understood, we learned about the government, how you know, we didn't give it two parts of the Congress or the executive branch. We, we knew those things. Mm-hmm. They don't teach that in most of the schools any longer. Sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of that lacking. I remember a group of us were working on campaigns for congressmen, progressive congressmen, my senior year. I haven't met a student who's done that yet, done anything like that yet. Mm. Wow. So that's, that's a difference. Mm. If uh, you were to go back 50 years to our own high school days and to all these issues of things like dress codes and the protests and bomb encounters and things like that, would you have done anything differently? I loved what was going on back then. <laughs> I, I, I think I would have chased girls a little more than I did back then. <laughs> I was too engaged in a lot of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I thought we had a really great high school experience. I mean, you know, you were involved with us with you know, some of these things like Senior Follies, remember all of that, mm-hmm. um, where we wrote a play really to insult the principal more than anything else. <laughs> um, we, we had great teachers. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting from this, you know, I was, I was on the chemistry team. I bet you didn't know we had a chemistry team. And we would compete against other schools and take chemistry tests mm. against other schools. Wow. And a bunch of us, we get graded. And turns out Linden High School lower middle class town school had the second best chemistry team in the state of New Jersey. Wow. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, we had great debate teams. We had very good sports teams. It was a really good place to grow up. Again, we got to meet all kinds of different people at different socioeconomic levels. And we didn't even know the difference. We, I remember we had one student who came in from Czechoslovakia. Miroslav. Miro. Yeah. Miroslav yeah. Jensen, he had come in because the Soviets had invaded Czechoslovakia and somehow his family escaped. Mm-hmm. And he came in and his English wasn't very good. And he didn't know anybody and he didn't have any friends. But we all befriended him and became really good friends with him. And, mm. you know, we, we'd gone to his house and meet his parents who didn't speak a word of English, but they were very nice to us. And we'd take him in and we'd go all over the place, you know, go out to what was that place, the hamburger place. To Wetsons. Ah, we go to Wetsons yeah. uh, on St. George Avenue in Elizabeth. It was just whatever we did. And he became part of our group within weeks. Hmm. And I don't know if that happens today. Maybe it does. I know my daughter in Paris, she speaks Russian. She studies Russian. And she became friendly with a lot of the Ukrainians. She did wow. a field trip to Ukraine before all this happened. And some of them have escaped to Paris. And hmm. so she befriended them in Paris. And I guess hmm. it's same kind of thing that we did with befriending Miro. Yeah. And he came from Czechoslovakia. Um, so it was a, you know, we were just an open, welcoming organization. And I think to this day, I feel more comfortable in that kind of an environment, this lower middle class environment, than I do in an upscale environment, mm. upper middle class environment, to the extent that I live in a lower middle class town right now because I feel very comfortable here. Like I moved back to Linden for a number of years and it felt very comfortable there. Oh, great. When I went away to college, I went to the University of Rochester, and it looked like they took the middle, upper middle class towns from Long Island and transported it to Rochester. (laughs) I never felt comfortable there. Never felt really comfortable there because it was not a very diverse school. And I could not really identify with those kinds of students living the kind of lifestyle that they have been leading. And then when I went on to Harvard Business School, we had a very diverse student body again, people from all over the world, from all different classes. The business school made a point of making sure that they had a very multi-orthogonal, diverse 
group that they had, you know, from multiple mm. dimensions. And so it was a very interesting group of students, and I had a wonderful time being there. Mm. And all of this came from living in Linden, this, this comfort level of living in Linden. Mm. And maybe if I had grown up in, in Short Hills, you know, the upper class town of Short Hills, I would have viewed life completely differently than I view it right now. True. Right. The college where I'm teaching right now has the most diverse student population probably of any college in the United States. Mm. A lot of first-generation students, uh -huh. um, students whose parents never went to college. Most of them are on some kind of a scholarship, and it's at a public university so that they don't have, you know, tuition anyway isn't particularly high from all mm. over the world. So it's quite fascinating. Mm. And Linden was kind of like that. Well, that's great. We've been talking with Don Kruger, fellow alumnus of Linden High School, on the subject of school dress codes and other issues from long ago. Thanks so much for being here with us on the program today, Don. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.